And today, Tom Renz joins us again. We are obviously not in our home studio. We're on the road. We'll be here again tomorrow, and we'll be welcoming Nicole and Jemmy. She is a uh, medical education specialist, a uh, medical pathology tech, and uh, has always really interesting stuff going on. Also, we're bringing in Ed Dowd back on Wednesday when Dr. Kelly Victory joins us. So don't You do not want to miss that. Of course, we have Tom Renz. You guys know him as the attorney from Hawaii, excuse me, from Ohio. Hawaii? Interesting. Uh, Tom is from Ohio, and uh, as he says, he has all the receipts. You can find out more by following him at Renz, R-E-N-Z law.com. And he's on Twitter as Renz Tom, R-E-N-Z Tom. Uh, he has been testifying. He's got a lot of concerns as it pertains to the EcoHealth Alliance. And we're going to talk a little bit about the what the press calls white long, which, uh, frankly, I am. you're going to see me striking back a little bit, though Susan is not on camera here today because we don't have... Uh, we don't have our uh, normal studio set up. Uh, I will be striking back on this one. Be right back after this. Our laws as it pertains to substances, pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin, ridiculous I'm a, I'm a doctor for <laughs> sake. Where the hell you think I learned that? I'm just saying, you go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. If you have trouble, you can't stop and you want to help stop it. I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. I think everyone knows the next medical crisis could be just around the corner, whether it comes in the form of another pandemic or something much more routine like a tick bite. You and your family need to be prepared. That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their physicians on like Dr. McCullough frequently. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals you can trust. And their new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy. It's really, it's a safety net. It's an insurance policy yeah, absolutely. that you hope you're not going to need. But if you need it, you sure as heck are going to wish you had it if you need it. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin, z pack The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all these life-saving medications. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID-19, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured, knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to help you and your family stay safe from whatever life throws at you next. Go to drdrew.com slash TWC. That is drdrew.com forward slash TWC to get 10% off today. Just click on that link. And uh, we today are not in our home studio. We are at the V-Shred headquarters where they are very kindly helping us along so we can stream today to you and tomorrow. Uh, and we will be joining with uh, Tom Renz in just a second. Susan is off to my left here. She is monitoring the restream and the Rumble Rants. I am not today. I don't have that capacity. But I will be watching Twitter spaces. We might have uh, some time for some calls later on. Uh, what's the matter, Susan? Oh, my God. Lots of people pile in and they want to see what Tom's got to say, which I'm delighted about. Uh, let's see. I, I also, Caleb, uh, went watching the wellness uh, ad there. I just reminded myself about something I sent you, Caleb, uh, an article on ivermectin or the I word. We, can we say the word now? It is, it is from 2017. And some of the quotes from this article was in Nature uh, and, in a, and also, let me double check the publication so I get this right. It's a review article, Journal of Antibiotics. Uh, the the citation is from Nature, 
But the exuberance uh, with which uh, prior to COVID, ivermectin was being touted as something that was saving millions of lug. Here, I'm just going to read you just a, something in the second page. Perhaps more than any drug, this drug is one of the world's, this drug is for the world's poor. For most of the century, some 250 million people have been taking it annually to combat two of the world's most devastating, disfiguring, debilitating, and stigma-inducing diseases, onchocerosis and lymphocytic filariasis. These are in Africa and Asia. These are very serious illnesses, and people take these medicines. And this whole article goes on to talk about its other antiviral and antibacterial properties and anti-cancer properties and all those things. I don't want to get too crazed about all its uh, properties, but... The fact is, billions of doses every year saved millions of poor people's lives and disfigurement. And this is a medication that our press just learned how to pronounce three years ago. And as they learned how to pronounce the word, they immediately had massive massive opinions about how this medication should and should not be used. I think that's a good way to bring Tom Renz in because I feel similarly about, oh, there it is. Uh, I feel similarly about the way they're approaching the so-called white lung pneumonia, which is, makes me furious even when I say it. Tom Rands, as I said, is an Ohio he return, Ohio lawyer. He had, turns, returns to us with an update on the cover-up lawsuit involving EcoHealth Alliance. And Tom, welcome back. I'm glad to be here, Doc. How are you doing? I'm good. So let's let's stop since I have a bit of a head of steam on this so-called white lung thing. Let's talk about that first. As, as soon as I saw a headline that included the word white lung, I was like, oh my God, are you kidding me? Here we go again. Here's what causes a white lung. Pneumonia. Pneumonia causes a white yeah. lung on chest X-ray. That's how we know somebody has a pneumonia. Now, there are different characteristics of the white region. It can be low bar. It can be consolidated. It can be fluffy. It can be interstitial. Lots of things. It's the white shadow that we look at on chest X-ray that tells us a lung is infected. Now, uh, um, uh, COVID in particular caused a diffuse white whitening of the lung, really a near whiteout. So I'm in many cases that had the cytokine storm and all the horrible complications. And God knows how much of that was caused by the ventilators. We don't even know yet. But here we are. I'm imagining the journalists heard something about white lung during COVID. And aha, we can use it again. Is that what's no. going on here? Well, I'm not so sure, sure whether it's a journalist or whether this is from a little bit higher up, right? I mean, we know that the journalists were paid millions and millions of dollars to spread propaganda to sell these vaccines from the Biden administration, right? And I'm not trying to get into the political side of this, but the Biden administration literally paid millions of dollars to Fox News, CNN, everybody else. You're, are you talk talking? About, are you talking, Tom, about the advertising on those news that you know Pfizer, Moderna, and you know, they, they, they well, still run ads, right? Or are you talking about the CDC well, public service announcements, get your vaccine, get your vaccine? Actually, I'm talking about the, the FOIA documents that uh, Blaze Media obtained. It's been several months ago now, and I don't have them in front of me. It's been a while since I reviewed them. But basically, those Freedom of Information Act documents showed that the Biden administration paid an immense amount of money to promote vaccines in these various news networks. Now, what does that mean? I don't have all the details, but what I know is that we as a nation spent an immense amount of money. So in addition to the Biden administration paying directly out of the taxpayer coffer, we also know that, you know, we had the funding that was coming from the, uh, you know, the big pharma ads and everything else. So, you know, certainly, certainly there, there's some issues, but I think that a lot of this is being coordinated from a little bit higher up. Yeah. I testified at Marjorie Taylor Greene's hearing 
that a lot of this has been, you know, I mean, to the best of our ability, it looks like this came straight from the CIA DOD, which sounds kind of conspiracy theory, except for the fact that, well, it's not. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of evidence on this, and we keep finding more evidence every day. So, you know, when I look at well, this, Tom, I love let me you, let me stop you, Tom. Let me let me stop you, but we're going quickly in another direction. But but I just want to say yeah. so I don't forget frankly, which is, that is the one thing early in the pandemic I kept thinking to myself, which was, what is going, why, what's wrong with everybody? The only thing I could figure is that they're covering up, maybe literally for our own good, I, I don't like this, you can't handle the truth BS, but but maybe no. there is some giant international something going on here that the various defense departments are collaborating on these horrible things. And they really don't want us to know about it. I, I, that's the only thing that made sense for some of the nonsense I was hearing out of people's mouths. Well, yeah, and and again, I'm eager to get there, but uh, and I think we can go into that for sure. But I do want to, you know, you mentioned White Long, mm. and uh, you know, one of the things that's really interesting about that. Before we get into, you know, the bad guys that caused this whole nightmare and who's manipulating and who's doing this and who's doing that, is you know, this White Long. I put out a Substack just today. And uh, in it, I took some screenshots, CDC, right? So, I, you know, listen, I'm a lawyer. I'm not a scientist. I leave that to you. But I can read, right? So one of the skills that you have to have as an attorney is I you hope have so. to be able to read. I trust. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. So what I do and what part of my job is if you're an attorney and you're going to litigate on things like COVID, I have to take the stuff that guys like you know and translate it to something that a jury pool member who's got a ninth grade education can understand, or even worse, a judge. Right? So I've got to break. <laughs> I've got to break this down to a real basic level. So this is what I did. Right? White lung disease. What's that? Well, like you said, every doctor I talk to, white lung. Well, that's what your lungs look like when you got pneumonia. Right? Okay. So what's pneumonia? Well, pneumonia is a disease, right? It's caused by a virus or a bacteria or a fungus or all these sorts of things, but it's basically a disease that's manifested from an infection in lungs. Okay. Well, so I've got a CDC screenshot that says well, uh, causes of pneumonia, and they, they mentioned uh, flu virus, RSV, SARS-CoV-2. And uh, one of the things that I hope we'll get a chance to touch on that I didn't really focus on when we were talking earlier, but is uh, on that same page, and I think Caleb's got the graphic on this, but uh, it under causes pneumonia on the CDC website, one of the causes of pneumonia is actually listed as ventilator-associated pneumonia, which you were alluding oh, yeah. to. Um, oh, yeah. that, so, that's, you know, but that's, Tom, that's a little different. Go which ahead. page what, is that, what Tom? You want? Which, which page is that, uh, Tom, on your slides? That's the one that says CDC uh, pneumonia, causes of pneumonia. Um, I, I believe, I'm not sure. So, that so should have been me, from um, the Substack. I, I want to. I want to. This is why you have to get expert witness on the stand sometimes to refine some of these points. Uh, so yes. I'm going to play that role today. Okay. So Please. what? The, so so <laughs> what I was referring to was lung changes and scarring caused by barotrauma, which is yeah. not pneumonia. It is not pneumonia per se. The pneumonia of COVID was one thing but there was also the alveolar filling caused by the cytokine storm which was another thing so there were three different reasons for whiteness of the lungs with covid 
The fourth, and that's one you're talking about that's on the CDC website, is when you put an endotracheal tube into somebody's lung, it drags mouth bacteria with it, and you very frequently get significant pneumonias just from being intubated, okay? It's, and by the way, having a, now a conduit between the outside world and your lungs with nothing to prevent something from getting in. It's another way that pneumonia gets in. So ventilator-acquired pneumonias is slightly different than what I was causing, what I was talking about, which was iatrogenic damage from yeah. ventilators. Different. Okay. So and and super super important what you're saying there. One of the things that I would ask you to correct me if I'm wrong on Doc, because you're mm. right. What I would do is I would call in the experts and I would do just what we're doing here. I'd talk to yeah. you about this. So yeah. as I go as I go down. Uh, one of the one of the causes of the atypical pneumonias that t listed on the CDC, again, is a uh, mycoplasma pneumonia. It's it's, the, it's, a, it's one of the more common ones, very common. The other one, believe pneumonia. it or not, is chlam chlamydia causes a pneumonia, not the chlamydia, not chl chlamydia that causes vaginal infections. It's a chlamydia, different, similar organism, different subspecies, and uh, and then viruses. So that atypical yeah. pneumonia really means virus, chlamydia, mycoplasma, which mycoplasma being the one we actually treat. When somebody comes in with a community-acquired pneumonia, we put them on a macrolide, azithromycin. Now, there are some resistance patterns coming up now where people have to switch over to quinolone, and that works perfectly well. So people are sometimes being putting people directly on a quinolone. But these are extremely treatable pneumonias, extremely. Absolutely. Well, absolutely. Unless unless you put someone on a, uh, you know, ventilator. on a, a, a ventilator and sedate them, yeah. which according yeah, to trouble. I've also got yeah. in front of me, uh, the 2003 version of the guidelines for preventing healthcare associated pneumonia, which was a CDC document. It's actually a CDC working group uh, where they, you know, they made the recommendations for this. But I bring this up, and I, I'm overlapping a couple issues here, and I'm aware of that. Mm -hmm. But this mm -hmm. this mycoplasmal pneumonia and a bunch of these other pneumonias are listed as side effects of the jabs, or at least adverse events that were were observed from the jabs. Now, because we don't have the data and because uh you know the specifics of how common these were you know there's no actual follow-up and we can't trust the data that's been released because the data that's been released is always whitewashed it's always manipulated i mean we've seen these guys it goes down back to one of the questions i always ask when do you trust a liar well i don't right and since i can show right. you for example we we mentioned in the past project salus you know uh, i mentioned that here Anthony Fauci was out talking about how a majority of the people in the hospital are unvaxxed and everybody is dying. And at the same time, I've got the Project Salus document that he had that showed that 60% you know, of uh, new hospitalizations at the time were in fully vaxxed and 71% new cases were in fully vaxxed. These guys lied over and over again. So when do you trust a liar? So I don't really trust their data. And until they show me the raw data, I don't trust it at all. And so what I'm doing is a technique that we lawyers call burden shifting, right? So I'm laying out and I'm showing using the CDC documents that, uh, you know, this mycoplasma pneumonia uh, and all these other things uh, are potentially a, a post-authorization adverse event, a, a side effect of the COVID vaccines. Now, walking the, the pneumonia one, is let me, let me push back a couple things. 
Uh, <laughs> one one is uh, if if this indeed is uh, the same thing in China, they don't have the mRNA vaccine there. So how do we explain that? Number one, and then number two, it's interesting. You know, I was thinking about. I just I just completed a board review on pulmonary medicine. And they did a whole lot on community-acquired pneumonias, not because of this, just because it was, you know, these board reviews yeah. were put together years ago. Uh, and they were, you know, give them the zithromax, give them the azithromycin. Do not hospitalize. Do not hospitalize. These people do not go to the hospital. So right. why are we even talking about, oh, hospitals, what, what's going to happen to the hospitals? Not hospitalize. However, we are talking about pediatrics. And this has really been one of the problems in the pandemic, which was we have pediatricians talking about adult medicine. And now here I am, an adult medicine doctor, talking about pediatrics. I don't know if they hospitalize atypical pneumonia with kids. I know we do not do it with adults. But that's yeah. one of the problems that's been going on. A lot of the public health directors at the state level are pediatricians making decisions about adult medicine. It was it was a mess, and I don't want to be a part of that mess, so I'm bringing that up. Oh. But go ahead. You were saying walking pneumonia. Well, let's tear apart. Let's tear apart what you just said, Doc, because I think you're yeah. dead right. So first of all, let's talk about China. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what's happening over there, and if you trust the data out of China, well, you're better man than I. You're much more trusting man than yeah. I am. I don't trust anything yeah. coming out of it. Is there an increase in walking pneumonia? What did they actually have in their shots in China? I have no mm -hmm. idea. All I know is that if China's saying it, I don't trust it. What I do yeah. know is that there was talk about a big pneumonia outbreak in Ohio. There you go. Actually, thank you. That's perfect. Um, and we see other places where they're saying, you know, this popping up in the U.S. They're worried about it in the U.S. Now, there's two different things it happening. We have we well, have walking pneumonia, which apparently accounts for about 10 to 13% of pneumonia cases on a normal year. And so that's there. Now, if you want to gin up fear, you don't call it walking pneumonia. You rename it white yeah. lung disease and yeah, you, yeah. you, you yeah. tie this Listen, all in. Here, here's, what that, here's what that headline means to me. By the way, and that 10 to 13%, yeah. most pneumonias are in very elderly patients. If you took yes. that population out of your pneumonia data, I guarantee you it'd be 40 to 60%, some, somewhere in that zone. Yeah. And again, I don't know the pediatric data. I'm, I assume it's the same or even maybe, maybe more so even. And when I saw that headline, I thought, oh, we're having our usual outbreak. We always have yeah. seasonal outbreaks. Why is that news? Why are people reporting on a regional seasonal outbreak that we always have? Why is that being reported? Yep. What is going on here? The I think I just having been in the press for so long, I just smell that. I smell that rat. Oh, we're gonna get there. Oh, oh, they breathlessly run to their cameras. Oh, white long, white long. Come watch my camera. Watch, yep. watch my show. Yep. Watch my show. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah. That's yeah, what yeah. they do. And they, they should be they should be punished for that. They should be smacked down for being that oh, way. Yeah, it's, they should. it's 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 destructive for the American people and whomever they're serving. Well, I would tell you, I don't want to get distracted on this because I want to go to the pediatric yeah. thing because I've got a okay. response on All that. Right. But but All I right. will tell you, run a Google search. Go to Google Scholar, not Google. Go to Google Scholar and run a search on fear and public health. You'll find thousands or millions of articles. This is a very well-researched technique that's used to manipulate the public. And it's controversial it's because it's not ethical. Um, but, oh. I mean, it's well-established. And, you know, our last show we did together, Doc, we, we went through uh, that CDC document where they lay out using fear to manipulate the public. Yep. It's something oh, that they I, do. I thought that so, was a new thing. Well, I, to be fair, I did it myself during the AIDS epidemic. I, I was participant in that, and we congratulated ourselves at the end of that for having yep. used fear to, you know, with uh, if you have sex with one person, you're having sex with everybody they ever had sex with. Remember yep. that whole thing? 
And uh, oh, yeah. you know, we we do. Cha- we chanted that man. I was a part of it. I, and I, we thought it was going. We thought we were doing what was right. We thought we were going to prevent this from breaking into the pu- public. And by the way, I told you this last time, Tom. We learned yeah. during the course of that pandemic that that's not how you change behavior. A whole discipline oh. developed on how to change behavior, and it was you create. You create cases. You have people who are like somebody you want to reach, tell their story. If somebody like me explain the story, music, humor, that changes their behavior. That reaches them. Yeah. Me in a white coat in a box, zero impact on behavior. Yeah. Well, absolutely. And there, that is, that's another probably three shows that we could do on that. <laughs> but, true. I'll, <laughs> but I'll tell you, um, when you let's talk about the pediatric aspect of this, right? Yes, please. I mean, Sorry. you've seen the stuff, and and I've yet to have any person show me pre-vaccine one healthy child that healthy child that died from COVID. They didn't, mm. right? So mm. if we have an uptick in in pneumonia right now in kids, what could be causing that? Right now, kids weren't really injured by COVID, but mm-hmm. If you put a gene therapy drug in their arm, and these are, you don't even have to put a disclaimer on this because I have Pfizer and Moderna's SEC documents, they acknowledge that these are gene therapy drugs. So if you put a gene therapy drug in some kid's arm and that kid's body starts producing spike proteins on a longer term basis, we don't know how long because there's no actual accurate data on that, but we know that you're gonna produce that spike. We know that that spike's gonna run all over your body and we know that the spike is the pathogen or a pathogen and you know, as far as covid goes right i mean unless you disagree it's it's, it's a it's a, well it's a, I, it, calling it a pathogen is a little bit challenging but it is the structure that seems to be associated with so much of the consequences yes. biologically of, of the virus and it it really why you know i again another thing i always ask myself is why did we ah oh, was it just the so easy to get that spike protein we had to go for it why did we choose that as the thing we wanted to use for our immune response. We had the, well, we had we, the nuclear capsid protein, which seems harmless. Why didn't we go for the nuclear capsid? Well, we'll get to that when I talk about the MTG hearing, um, but uh, because I've got an answer for that too, but let me ask Really? You. Okay, okay. Oh, go ask me. Go I ahead. do. Yes, you want to ask I me. I do. Okay. okay. So let me ask you this. If the only difference between pre-COVID and now is the, kid, is the kids getting the vaccine, you see an uptick in pneumonia now, What's the most likely cause? Now I understand well, that this is a correlation, not causation argument. Yeah, and and Tom, and I, I would un- say I'd say I would say two other things because uh, I really try to get to the truth, so I don't want us to yeah. run down a path. So yes, it could be, and I would argue that the FDA and the drug companies have an obligation to prove that it's not that. They have an obligation to prove it is not. I would, if I were the drug company, that would be my priority number one. Number two. It could be the result of lockdowns, which is one of the theories about China, that they've not had the normal exposure to pathogens that would give them better immune response to these common outbreaks, and so the outbreaks become more widespread. Or number three, it's just what we always get in the winter, you know, fall and winter, and the press is making it seem like it's something different. Yeah. Well, and that's the real question, right? So the first thing we have to ask ourselves is, has there been an increase that's right. And the baseline right. number of cases of pneumonia in children. That's, because yeah. walking pneumonia is walking. I mean, hell, I remember having walking pneumonia as a kid. It happened, right? Uh, yeah. It's not a big deal. You just sucked That's it up right. and recovered. Um, That's right. But is there an increase? And if there is, 
then what's causing it? Now, I would argue, yeah. and certainly I've seen the stuff out there about the whole uh, lockdowns and impact, but we're a couple years out from the lockdowns. And why would what was the increase the year after the lockdowns versus now? Right. Right. So right. my this is to me something that's very testable and very measurable. Yes. And I yep. would argue that given that there was no panic over an increased uptick in childhood pneumonia immediately after the lockdowns, I would mm. argue that the most likely culprit is the vaccine. Now, here's the beauty of being a lawyer rather than a doctor. <laughs> uh, you guys, you guys have to back everything you up with a b everything you say up with a b c d science. I yeah. can make a very logical argument that says, okay, if it was the lockdowns, why wasn't there a higher uptick the day after the lockdowns ended? And why is it that now several years out, when more kids are vaccinated, we're seeing this? Now, I, certainly, again, a correlation versus causation argument, yeah. but yeah. it's a common sense argument, right? And if I'm wrong. It's what I've done is I've shifted the burden. I've provided an argument. I've provided some evidence, some some good things. Okay, Pfizer, disprove me. Show show that I'm wrong. Show the error. It's yeah. on you, no, not I, me. I at agree. This point. No, right. I agree. I think it needs to be needs to be. Uh, I, I would think it's an ethical obligation to do so, but hopefully people will. By the way, I want to bring another expert witness into your courtroom, Tom uh, Shavan. I see you sitting there. Um, he's another, he's actually an infectious disease doctor, if I remember correctly. I've been inviting you to speak. If you raise your hand, I will bring you up as well if you're listening to this conversation because I'd be curious if he has anything to add to this. He has been uh, somewhat on fire lately on, on Twitter. Uh, Steve says, I'm yeah. on fire, but uh, Shabria, C-H-A-B-R-I-A is on Twitter. Uh, you can follow him at Shaven Shabria, S-H-I-V-E-N, and I'm inviting him to speak. But uh, Caleb, I don't know if, uh, if that isn't getting through the way our system is set up, or um, do you have, can you invite him to speak from your side? Yeah, I'm going to try to bring him up right now if he's if he's. Oh, right here there. he is. He's coming there up. He he's moving closer. There he goes. <laughs> yeah, really? okay. There you are. So unmute yourself, and uh, I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on this conversation. But there you are. You, sir, have been on fire lately on Twitter. Yeah, I got you. And I've uh, been uh, watching you on fire lately on Twitter. And uh, I saw you there and I thought, wow, you might be an interesting contributor to this conversation. Sure. I, you know, I, you have to forgive me because I, I, I've been uh, doing some house cleaning stuff. I've been in and out of the, <laughs> okay. Okay. listening to the conversation. But, um, but yeah, I, I was listening to Tom and I was listening to what you said. And a couple of points that I'd like to make, there's all... There's also the, the concept of immune debt. So we, know, we the, did the we did kind of bring that up. We we did bring that up yeah. that the lockdowns that the lockdowns perhaps caused something like that. Right, right, Ab absolutely, and 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 the whole mycoplasma thing. You know, the the more I think about it, the more I'm convinced that you know um, some of this is just what uh, what China does, and some of this is what our press does, which is you know let's conflate, confabulate, and confuse, create create controversy and and rip up frenzy to uh, to get people to get back into fear and panic mode, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah, and and yeah. I, I said yesterday, which is, you know, if this is such a big deal, why don't our public health officials request actual specimens and samples so that our people can run the tests and figure out what the hell this is instead of just doing the same conjectures that, that led to nothing but fear and panic four years ago. I mean, why, why, are we, why are we replaying this story all over again? 
you know? By the way, by the way, uh, Dr. Victory was on Newsmax yesterday morning. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with uh, Deborah Burks. And man, did she sing a different tune. I was shocked. Her tune was, we have great treatments for COVID. You shouldn't be worried about COVID. And by the way, RSV, influenza, mycoplasma, that's around two, also quite treatable. Suddenly they're talking about treatment. I, I'm going to predict you're going to see the vaccine push back off and treatment. <clears throat> and by the way, their push on treatment now is coming on the heels of Paxlovid increasing its price from free to $1,300 per, per course. You know, this is like, I, I can't even believe what I'm hearing. But uh, I don't know if you have any comment no. about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, 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 the thing about Paxlovid, clinically speaking, and I, I, I don't know how much you use it, but clinically speaking, uh, the indications for its use have been vastly overblown, right? I mean, the data that Correct. Paxlovid does much to individuals who have prior immunity doesn't exist. Yes. That's number one. Number two, yeah. there's some data showing that Paxlovid might actually increase the risk for recrudescence, reemergence, relapse, whatever, yes. whatever the hell you okay. want to call so, it. Okay, so right? let me address that because I've actually used a lot of Paxlovid. I, m most of my patients are elderly, so I've, I've had the chance to, to, to treat it. And um, it, it somewhat depends on the variant. I got to tell you, a year and a half ago, we had a variant that was crazy responsive to Paxlovid. Like in six, it wasn't even a year and a half ago. It was like early in, in the spring, like six months ago. Uh, the, the Paxlovid, people were better in six hours. It was unbelievable. Now, now I'm not seeing so much, but I'm not seeing any COVID that needs treatment, by the way. Exactly. Everyone's got a cold, yeah. number one. And, and then in terms of this recrudescence thing, I saw a ton of of the uh, rebound my own daughter had rebound i saw it two years ago i've not seen it so much now and i'll be damned if the people were pushing back on that saying oh no it's just the cytokine activation two weeks after paxlovid after covid you should be ashamed of yourself for really questioning clinicians and what they were seeing and it's mostly the bench research people that were saying that they should be ashamed they should apologize we saw rebound for sure and now you're referring to i think shaven this good jama article that uh, was it a new england yeah. journal article but there was a good article that that showed definitely there's rebound definitely yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, it, it's my prediction, Drew, that the eventual narrative is going to shift to say five days is not sufficient, so you should do ten because of whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, that's that that um, that goes against the face uh, of basic immunology, where uh, immune control of a virus is always yeah. in almost every single situation is vastly more important than any antiviral you give. So at five days. Uh, if you it's haven't achieved immune control, it, it, your yeah. game game over. And and if you have, then no drug is particularly necessary. And the second point I'll make is that the RSV vaccine is on track for GSK to do a billion dollars. So I think some some of what you're hearing is sort of the pre-narrative being sculpted to say you know um, RSV is really is. It is is a big deal, and so you know. And I got to tell you, um, this is again that distinction, and this is Tom for you again between pediatrics and adult medicine. Okay, I am a fan of the RSV vaccine for the elderly. I believe we are, we are doing something for people for whom pneumonia is life threatening. 
very elderly. I've been using it like crazy. I think to good effect. I've seen no side effect. That doesn't mean children, all children should be getting that vaccine. This risk, our risk reward sort of diathesis has just vanished. And I, I, I right. worry I mean, that, uh, go ahead. Didn't they, didn't they just approve it for children? I think just a few yeah. weeks ago or maybe a month ago. So I, I was like, uh, really, what is the burden of our clinically significant life-threatening RSV in children? Yeah, there maybe you go. newborn, there you go. yes, but you know, mm. by the time you are two, three, four, again, it's another one of those infections that in the era before we had PCR diagnostics, we wouldn't even think of it. We wouldn't so, know about it. We wouldn't even know about I wanna, it. Exactly. I want to interject while I got two real smart guys on the line here, because you know I'm a lawyer, so I'm not all that bright. Um, so, yeah, like that? Um, uh, if we can't be self-deprecating, what do we got, right? Um, so how, to, how to disarm your, your, on the witness stand, how to disarm your, uh, your client. <laughs> so. I'm okay at what I do. Uh, anyways, so let me, let me ask you this, right? So as we go through... And we see the number of times that the pharmaceuticals and the FDA have lied to us. They've lied mm -hmm. to us about the risk benefits of remdesivir. They lied to us about the risk benefits of COVID. They pushed hospital protocols that they knew were unsafe and that were you know, gonna result in higher deaths. We see, and if we get to the hard science, right? We can go through and we can look at the, the authorization uh, documents that, that you know, Naomi Wolf and everybody have pulled out from Pfizer and this and that and other, and you can find numerous issues with all the studies. Mm -hmm. So I would ask you guys this, right? So we've got these new, these new fancy drugs and vaccines that they got coming out. Sure, you haven't seen any long-term effects yet. How do you know? When do you trust a liar? Drugs. Of the right. drugs. How yeah. do we know? How do we yeah. know what the long-term, short-term impacts? How do we know when everything they've said is a lie when do we trust a liar? And we have so many instances of our government colluding with the big pharma and allowing situations to, you know, where things are moving forward and they're just pushing outright untruths, not not a little well, bit off, not a gray gray area, not a variation of the truth, but just outright straight up lies. And, and Shavan, I'm going I'm to put you back in the pool here. Apologies, because I have to go to break in just a second. But I would say, Tom, not only that... But we have systems that are broken. If you look at my uh, yes. interview, I think as we were rolling in today, we showed a clip from uh, Jessica Rose and um, Joseph Fryman. They, they are shining yes. a light on the fact that the system that is supposed to sort of uh, mitigate that, what you're describing, is more broken than the cozy relationships amongst these uh, regulators and the pharmaceutical companies. So the very thing that is supposed to mitigate and protect is also broken. So even if you don't, and, and by the way, I, I, I have a bias, Tom. I don't like uh, yeah. attacking pharma. They do a lot of good. I've been involved with them my whole life and always been upset when they got yep. attacked. The, the recent uh, situation, the recent history has made yeah. me open to things I really didn't think were possible. So I'm open to everything. I just, I just, well, I'm also I, open to other things is my point. I, I'm open for the to the record, fact Doc? that, yeah, yeah. For the record, yeah. uh, prior to COVID, I was 100% vaxxed. I was right yeah. up to date. And I actually, my wife brings up very frequently to this day, conversation she had with me in the mid-20-teens where she's like, hey, this someone, someone from Hollywood was talking about uh, vaccines causing autism. And I said, oh, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Do you really think a whole industry could be corrupt? 
I can only follow the evidence that I've seen put forth in front of me for the last three years. And it may be yeah. hard to believe, but it yeah. is what it is. And my problem always comes back to once you've demonstrated that you're a liar, once you've demonstrated that you would use a vaccine that has zero benefits on a baby, even though it might kill that baby, once you've demonstrated that you would do that for profit, when can I trust you on anything? So we're going to stop here for a minute and take a little break. I, I want to just say also, you know, it's I'm... <laughs> It, it, this is so strange the the circumstance that we live in these days. I you know I've been good friends with Rob Schneider and Jenny McCarthy for many years, and I assiduously avoided this topic with both of them to maintain my friendship. Now I want them to give me some reading material. I'm I'm, I'm like open to yeah. everything all of a sudden, and it's like so uh, you know it's it's you know I I don't I again I still don't want to I I. I I do, you know, have, believe pharmaceutical companies do so much good, and, and they also are. There's something going very wrong, and we have to kind of get this right so we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Is what I'm concerned about, obviously. Agree. Uh, so, uh, so here we go. Tom Rand's with us. We are obviously watching you on. Uh, Susan is watching on uh, Restream and and uh, Rumble Rants. You have something to say, Susan? She wants to talk to you guys. They're all listening. That's Big it. crowd. Okay. All right. And did you want to say something about the who's hosting us here today? Okay. Uh, thank you to Vishred for letting us use your, your services here. So, uh, all right. So we'll take a little break. Uh, we will continue on the Twitter spaces and back with Tom Renz right after this. If you're trying to figure out the right present for someone, you will not go wrong with gifting the most comfortable sheets, clothing, and accessories that your friends and family have ever felt. Of course, I'm talking about Cozy Earth. Cozy Earth has the softest and most comfortable sheets, blankets, towels, PJs, joggers, and more guaranteed. Susan and I love them. In fact, we still have Cozy Earth sheets on our bed. I slept in them last night. I was thinking about how great they were. And look at this. I'm wearing one of their super comfortable t-shirts right now. I don't get, I just can't get enough of Cozy Earth. Their sheets are durable, machine washable, and come with a 10-year warranty against defects. So no surprise that Cozy Earth's brand has been featured on Oprah's Favorite Things for five years in a row. Whether it's their luxury pajamas, super soft bedding, loungewear, or plush bath towels, you will love shopping and gift-giving at Cozy Earth. Here's my gift to you this holiday season. Go to CozyEarth.com, enter code DREW, to save 40%. That's CozyEarth.com with code DREW. CozyEarth.com, code DREW, save 40%. Thanksgiving is almost here, which means it's time for the best GenuCell sale of the year. Just in time for the holidays, save over 60% off both of our personally tailored GenuCell skincare packages at GenuCell.com slash DREW so you can look your very best at all of your Thanksgiving gatherings. Look 10, 15, 20 years younger, guaranteed with the best natural skincare anywhere. Take advantage of GenuCell's best sale of the year and say goodbye to fine lines, crow's feet, puffiness, and dark spots. The GenuCell experience is like no other, but don't take my word for it. You will look and feel your absolute best or your money back, no questions asked. So for results in 12 hours or less, GenuCell's immediate effects is included for free. Plus, if you go to GenuCell.com Drew now, you'll get a free upgrade to priority shipping. That is GenuCell.com Drew G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com slash Drew. And we are here with uh, Tom Renz. Uh, somewhat interesting conversation today. You can follow Tom on Twitter at RenzTom, R-E-N-Z-T-O-M, obviously. And uh, his website is Renz, R-E-N-Z dash law dot com. All right, so Tom, I've, I've managed to uh, 
<laughs> divert you from the the uh, material for which you have come to talk to us i believe we, it's all we some of this this is all the same zone obviously of stuff um but you had some very specific material uh about uh, eco health alliance and whatnot that you were beginning to zero in on correct well, you know, the, you're right, Doc. This is all the same stuff, and it all ties together. And, you know, some of the stuff that I'd sent you guys, because we can go anywhere. I live this 24-7, so mm. all of these things are critical for people to hear and understand. You know, understanding mm. white lung disease as being, you know, just an evolutionary step. Look at how well the fear narrative worked with COVID. Why not do it mm -hmm. again to promote RSV, to promote flu shots? And by the way, Let's talk about the mRNA being integrated into the flu shots and all these other things, right? So that, you know, you get your flu shot and are you getting your COVID shot too? Uh, mm. Even if you don't but, want And it? by the way, and by the way, I saw ads for that and I have seen some reports, some good, good published peer-reviewed reports of significant adverse events from the combo of the high-dose flu shot and COVID vaccine. I think it was stroke, if I remember oh, right, yeah. that they were seeing. And I was like, what, why, are you, why are you pushing this? It's one thing to push them both. I get it. But now you're pushing them in that combo shot where there's been document. What are we doing? Well, I mean, listen, this is really relevant. And we can go wherever you want to go on this. But I think this is critical. You've got to understand... These mRNA shots, first of all, I don't know if you saw this a few weeks back, I, I broke on Twitter. I found a screenshot from Pfizer recognizing what I would consider to be nothing short of the biggest fraud in human history, right? So Pfizer actually acknowledged that the mRNA shots are not messenger RNA. They're actually mod RNA. And, you know, that tied in with, yeah, I just did the little booklet. And it's a tiny little thing. It's like, a, you know, a 20-page or like a 70-page, you know, 20-minute read that you can do that's mod RNA, uh, Why It Matters, and other essays is the 404 series book. I just did a little book on this because what we found is that none of these vaccines were actually messenger RNA. Messenger RNA, and I'm not telling you anything you don't know, Doc, but yeah. messenger RNA is naturally occurring. It, it's just, it's used in your cells to, to you know, carry messages, essentially. Um well, that's fine and dandy. And had we used messenger RNA vaccines, then maybe it would have stayed in your deltoid and maybe it would have dissipated in a few days and maybe that would have been true. The problem is, is as I researched the vaccinology going back over a decade, two decades, uh, what I found is this has not been messenger RNA from the beginning because messenger RNA is a very, it's a weak particle. So messenger RNA Basically, if you want to turn messenger RNA into, into something that's going to be part of a vaccine, it's going to fall apart before you can do anything with it. So what they right. did was they've been tinkering with it for 20, 30, 40 years in labs to make it more robust, more durable, and all these different things, right? So yeah, now you've yeah. got this kind of Frankenstein messenger RNA that is no longer, I mean, you know, they're wrapping it in, in, in different adjuvants, they're putting it in viral vectors, they're putting all, all sorts of different things to make sure that this is done differently. And so now we have no idea how long this lasts in your body. We have no idea what it does. This is why it, they're finding it going all over the body between that and the, the adjuvants used, it's all over. And it does, it does, we don't know if it ever goes away or what it does. They lied about everything. And Pfizer literally admitted, I posted the screenshots on Twitter. 
that they didn't have, it's not messenger RNA, it's mod RNA. And for anybody that knows, when you say mRNA to a scientist, they assume messenger RNA. It was intentionally misleading. It was, to me, just inarguably fraud. So you've got these mod RNAs that we have no idea what they do. We have, and we, since they lied about that, how can I trust any of the data related to it? Well, and also there was the whole issue of the uh, the uh, plasmids they were using, and you know, yes, <laughs> how much contamination from that? That seemed to be uh, manipulated a bit, and the the kind of plasmid change from their original from what they originally got the emergency uh, use authorization for. But before I forget, I I, I want to uh, ask what, what the nucleocapsid problem was when you testified at the Marjorie Taylor Greene hearing. I remember I said, why did we go after mm -hmm. the... Why did we go after the spike? Why not the nucleocapsid? I assume there's a reason, but I, I don't know. But what did, what did you find out? As, as one of my magic tricks when my wife's not talking to me is I'm usually focused on the conversation, and I don't. I, I, I do recall you saying that. Um, okay. My wife's going to throw something at me when she hears that one. <laughs> um, but uh, it's par for my life, right? Um, so yeah, why didn't they do that, right? Why why wouldn't mm. you make uh you know the thing that your body's going to produce to elicit an immune reaction something that's completely harmless and innocuous right right rather not, than not something the thing that we knew, that we knew was a major part of the pathogenesis of the viral infection yeah yeah well mm. why indeed right so uh, yeah. I, I talked about this at the MTG hearing and uh, <laughs> I didn't talk about it in these terms but it certainly relates. Well, going back to the mid 20 teens, we have the the uh, there was a patent filed by Moderna, which was an exact reverse match. Uh, the the DNA sequence in that patent was an exact reverse match for the the spike protein uh, uh, for the genetic sequences. One of the genetics, I believe, in the spike uh, for COVID. Well, someone did a for, study for, on this. Hold on, for for coronavirus, right? Not COVID nineteen, but a coronavirus. No, that's related, I, no right? COVID nineteen, I believe. Okay, I okay. believe. Because uh, there was a lot of stuff the, flying around China and the United States, uh, you know, about the the spike protein. There's a lot known. There is, and uh, well, there was so, a study uh, surprisingly. done. Surprisingly, yeah, there there was a study done on this, and they 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 ran a study to see what the odds were of that being a coincidence. And it was like one mm. in a billion. Now, mm. uh, I actually cite that in one of my that study in one of my lawsuits because, again, so this points to this vaccine actually being in place a long time ago, and I testified to this right because if you look at bioweapons development as a field, right, bioweapons development and gain of function research are two names for the same thing. Right. Yeah. Really, the yeah. only distinguishing characteristic is the intent behind it. If you're doing yeah. bioweapons development, you're developing something to kill someone. If yeah. you're doing uh, gain of function work, you're developing something that could kill someone, but under the guise that you're going to try and save them with it. With a same well, with a vaccine, you're going to make a vaccine right. for some of the awful things. Yeah, that, that's right. the, that's right. the conceit. Yeah. And you can see yeah. easily how that could be adulterated. How easily it could slip. Oh. In. What 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 bureaucracy wouldn't slip? Uh, you know what I mean? Why, oh, why yeah. is that well, surprising to people? <laughs> snake oil salesman, right? You know, I mean, you create mm -hmm. the disease, you create the cure. Well, so I presented something at the hearing that's pretty pretty phenomenal. And I, I if Caleb's got, so I've got these redacted documents that I sent you guys I today, and I presented them. these at I the hearing. That. 
Now, which ones do you want? The ones uh, that, that with, the, with the huge start drop, out with the, you know, start out with the one uh, that that looks like a table of contents. Uh, I mean, it's mostly black. All the uh, the other five yeah. are pretty similar. Um, There's about six. Six. There it is. That one, Tom. Uh oh. At the very top, this says uh, it says uh, Moderna. Uh oh. Be careful with this because I have to protect this whistleblower big. Like I, I had to do this. I actually had to put my name on a on a declaration under penalty of perjury. So I put myself at risk by doing this because I have to protect this this person, right? So this mm. whistleblower, uh, you know, they've got this information, they got this data, and what it is is I can verify through through chain of custody. That that these records that I received were obtained properly, mm. and uh, you know I've got a declaration from the whistleblower under penalty of perjury that these were properly obtained medical records from the military. Okay, so this individual in the year 2014, according to these medical records, had five different instances where he received a Moderna COVID-19 vaccination. To me, that sounds ridiculous, but. There it is. Patients' records. Why was it yeah. there? I didn't put it there. And how could there be five of them from the year 2014? Five different instances. Each instant had a separate medical record, filled out separately, sometimes by different people. And in each one of those, they got a COVID-19 vaccination. This is the year 2014. Now, mm. how could you in 2014 even mistakenly write Moderna COVID-19 vaccination? It didn't. So this presents a lot of questions, and I'm not going to tell you guys that this proves that there was a COVID vaccine in 2014. But let me ask you a few questions related to this. Let me kind of take you through my logic. So I get this. I can I can verify, and I actually put myself under penalty of perjury, where I said, you know, I I've done the steps necessary to to do the due diligence I believe proper to demonstrate that this is true and accurate. So I can verify this to the best of best of my ability. I've got this document that says, you know, this guy got all the I got you know six different documents pointing to a COVID vaccine. I've got the fact that if you believe the official narrative, the Trump said, "Hey, we're going to create a new a new vaccine for this," and three days later, someone said, "Hey, we got one." Um, that isn't how it normally works. You've got all sorts of government documents showing that PPE, uh, you know, stuff was being sold during 2019. You've got all of the different things, the tabletop exercises, all these different event 201, all these different things where it looks like people were planting or, or planning for, for a, a disease. At some point, and Doc, I told you, you know, before all this started, I'm a mainstream guy. I never, and much like you, I actually part, you know, you had to resonate with me because I hear myself, right? Mm. Five years ago, you asked me about this. I'm saying this Renz guy, he's nuts. It's a conspiracy theory. But now I keep looking and everywhere I look, I've got another document pointing to the same thing. 
that this was planned, that this was organized, and that this was orchestrated, that our Defense Department and our, our CIA were involved. One of the things that I can't share the paper trail on is one of the names associated that's redacted with those documents, one of the guys that supposedly gave the injection related to those documents. And the reason I can't share details on this is because I can't uh, I can't verify. I had some people in the military, uh, you know, tell me that they, you know, that they verified this because they're people I trust. Uh, and they claim that this guy actually worked at a bioweapons development lab. He wasn't even a doctor who was given this injection. Maybe that's well, true. So, Maybe so let's not. stop there. Let, let's stop there. So so to me, I, I could make a non-sinister narrative out of that and say, I know that people are working on coronaviruses in China and the United States and Ukraine. Sure. Uh, and there were lots, and they were very focused on that spike protein and its structure. And it makes sense to yeah. me that they might have been messing with vaccines that just, you know, they didn't expect maybe to use even, but maybe they had to use it on people potentially in the bioweapons or the biolabs. Even though they knew the spike protein was a little more problematic, they didn't develop that particular vaccine for mass distribution. Um, let's say it's not even COVID-19. They just called it COVID-19. You know what I mean? It might have been yeah. a, kind of a different agent yeah. and a different vaccine. And then all of a sudden we have an emergency and Trump goes, pull out all the stops, figure it a way to, and, and they just kept it, they just evolved it all the way to the present yeah. vaccine, right? That's that's not a, to me, that's not very sinister. The, the sinister part is that we're doing bioweapons and, and gain of function work and we need to have vaccines and things. That's the sinister part. But I don't need to have a sinister explanation for why that happened it's interesting that's for sure but what do you say well here's some the important part of it is this first of all if that's the case why lie about it you know why not just well, that's own it? that's but that's but i i totally agree with you and and that's what's interesting in this whole story when there's things that i don't understand i always think to myself i wonder if they're hiding something because they need to so to speak not just because they don't think we can handle the truth, but if they release the truth, it, it, I don't know what. I don't. I'm not a, a CIA. I'm not a Defense Department person. I, it could have adverse impacts on people they're trying to save people from. I don't know, but that to me seems like a viable kind of explanation. And I and you know what? Uh, one of the things that I'm very careful to do is to say, you know, I can't prove anything. I can't, yeah, I can't yeah. prove the motive. You know, a lot of people, I'll tell you, you know, I go on a lot of interviews and everybody wants me to go down the, this was a, a plot to depopulate the world. I can't right, prove right. that. I can't. Right. I just, right. I, it, does it look like a duck and quack like a duck? Maybe. But can I prove that? No, I can't. But here's the deal. The evidence keeps that's stacking up. That's what they were up. doing. They did a bad, they did an awful bad job of it. <laughs> it wasn't. Well, it wasn't. They didn't do a very good job. I think they could much more easily do that properly if that's what they wanted. But go well, ahead. there there are certainly some some other mechanisms that they could use on that. But you know, at the end of the day, here's the thing: the evidence of wrongdoing, of cover up, of lies is so yeah. monumental at this point. Yeah. The yes. only way that we can recover. And, yes. you know, at the, at the end of the day, we've got to get to brass tacks here. How do yes, we regain yes. trust with our healthcare system? You're sunshine, right. fresh air, pharmaceuticals, sunshine, truth. Pharmaceuticals are a necessary thing in this world. What would we do without right. antibiotics? But oh my gosh. how can I trust these people? And the, the only way to do this is to release everything, to get all the data out there, to I, quit I lying, to quit covering yep. up. And until that point, yeah. now I got to be honest, I've gotten a little more cynical mm -hmm. than you are at this point. Because why? Why? You know, what happened? What got? What? What put you over the edge? Because you were with me five minutes ago. So, now, what, what made you more cynical? Well, I am with you 
in, 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 in general, but I've become more cynical in terms of being unwilling to ascribe guilt. And the reason for that is, Doc, it's really simple. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been on the other end of the, hey, Renz, you know, we would love to offer you a million dollars a year position. Um, you'd have to drop this work that you're doing, but you'd do great in this and you could work five days a week and not 90 hours a day and you wouldn't get hit pieces. I've been on the other end of, hey, Renz, uh, you know, we've got uh, what the FBI has determined to be credible death threats for what we're putting out there. Um, What can you do to keep us safe as a lawyer? I've been on the, I have clients that I've signed for that purpose. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been on the other end of, you know, from during 2021, especially when we had so many people being murdered in hospitals. And I had I was one of the only attorneys fighting this. Um, I'll tell you, this is one of the hardest stories. And I, I get a little bit like I'm I'm in touch with my toxic masculinity for sure. But I this one's a hard one for me to tell. Mm. Um there was a mom in Indiana, and this story is no different than a thousand other stories, but this one stuck out, right? Mom in Indiana is so excited to talk to me because her son's almost dead. Been in, in there. The hospital's telling her there's nothing they can do. Dying of COVID, on the vent, all these things, right? And and she gets a hold of me and she's crying. This is a story that's happened so many times, right? She's in tears. Oh, Mr. Renz, uh, you know, you're the only attorney doing anything on this. And, and you know, everybody else thinks I'm nuts. But, you know, I know I'm not nuts. I just need to get him out of the hospital. And they won't let me see him. They won't let him out of the hospital. They won't let me try ivermectin. And they said he's going to die. So why won't they let me? What can we do? And I've been trying to get a hold of you for two weeks. And I haven't been able to because your phone never stops ringing. It's always busy. And, you know, I'm just so grateful. And so mom's super happy. Because her grown son, who's in his 20s, uh, might, you know, she thinks I'm going to be some sort of a savior. She thinks I'm going to be able to save her baby, get him out there, get him some ivermectin, save his life. And at that point in my my work, I was doing this 24-7. And I'll tell you, I don't even have a record of a lot of the people that I tried to help. Because what I knew is between 14 and 60, 10 to 16 days out from going in the hospital, you were dead. Almost invariably. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so if, there if wasn't you got into time, that, particularly. Yeah. There wasn't yeah. time for me to file a lawsuit for everybody. Mm. The only thing I could do, and I was getting maybe 10%, 15% at most success rate, is if I caught them early enough, call the hospital, you know, threaten them this, that, and other legally, you know, hey, I'm putting you on notice, this, that, and other, and maybe I could get them to release 10 to 15% max, right? Mm. And then hopefully you survive anyways. So I had more of these. It's not, it's twenty four seven, Doc. And I, I mean, this is from mm. this is as this was brutal. I wasn't mm. sleeping ever. I don't sleep ever anyways. But I mean, I, it was really bad then. And uh, because every time I closed my eyes, all I could think of is my kids. And wouldn't I want if there wasn't anybody else fighting? Wouldn't I want someone to do whatever they could for my kids? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I kept yelling, kept fighting, and kept doing whatever I could. I have no idea. I, no patient records. I didn't charge anybody because I don't even know who it was. Yeah, I mean, it just there was nothing. I knew I wasn't going to file a suit. There was no way. This mom from Indiana, though, she's crying because she's so happy she got a hold of me. 
Okay, mom, how long's your boy been in the hospital? It's however many days. What's his creatinine levels? How's his kidneys? They are what they are. Uh, was he on the vent? Yeah. Where's that at and where's it been? What's his oxygen levels? Okay. Um, meanwhile, during this conversation, she sent, texted me a picture of her boy, which I still have. And obviously it's mm -hmm. something protected I couldn't share. Um, and it's just one of many pictures I got, you know, someone sitting there with all the tubes and dying. And, uh, you know, I had to, I had to tell that mom, um, so, you know, ma'am, I'm, I'm going to tell you that your son, there's nothing I can do for him where he's at now. So I'm not a doctor, but I know enough, from, you know, hearing this over and over again, if we get him out, he'll die. So the mm -hmm. only thing I can do is pray with you. And, uh, naturally she broke down again and, uh, she thanked me for caring and for doing what I could. And a few days later, she sent me, says, thank you for the prayers. He's gone. Mm. That happened. If it happened once, it was too many times, but it happened more times than I can count. Mm. And, uh, in hindsight, with the casework that I've done and the experts I've worked with, guys like you, guys like McCullough, guys who know way more than I'll ever know, there's no question that they knew what these protocols were doing. There's no question that they knew that there were things could be done for early treatment. I saw the hydroxychloroquine study that was horse crap. I went through it all. We were lied to, we were misled. And I had to tell that mom her baby was dying and I couldn't do anything about it because these corrupt bastards wanted to make that money more than they cared about the lives of these kids I, and family members. I, I, I gotta tell you, my experience was different. Um, in that people that ended up in extremists like that were mostly elderly uh, and not young people like you evidently were exposed to. They were. But, they were. but, the, uh, but the other thing that I found outrageous was that we, this, this was my problem with the thing. It's, it's quite different than yours because I did not really see any good data at the time. You can, we can argue about it now and where it's been and whatnot, but I, yeah. I had no confidence in ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine. Monoclonal antibodies were exceedingly effective and they were bought yeah. and free. They were free and they were changing them as the virus changed. So we had, remember Regeneron, yeah. remember that? And then we have Bamlanivinab and do. then we had the combos. And these things worked. They saved me. Personally, I had Bamlanivinab and it got better that day. And you could even use it as a prophylactic agent for an exposure earlier. There was, there was, and the government was yeah. a not educating people on how to deal with the illness when it occurred. So nobody knew that they could get this. Nobody knew it was free. No one knew that that nurse would show up in their house and infuse it. And in certain states, Florida, they began withholding it because they didn't like the politics of the attorney of the yeah. uh, surgeon general there. That was yep. mind-blowing to me. The, the public health well, institutions should have been out there educating about, here's how you deal with the illness when you get it. And by the way, doctors telling patients to go home and come back when you're blue, I've never in my life imagined oh. my peers behaving like that. So there were, there were many, many chapters in this experience of the extraordinary. Uh, we still have to dig through to see what the truth was that led to all this. 
and then and then you're trying to figure out, you know, was this vaccine or was it pre-existing and we just accelerated it or is it a new vaccine or why the spike protein? It's still we're still reaching in the dark in a lot of these areas. We still don't have the full history uh, elucidated. Would you agree? Uh, that's true, but I will tell you this. I had data back in, uh, oh, I'd have to check the date, but I had whistleblower data. The summer, I want to say summer of 2021, I had some whistleblowers who came forward from Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security. And I, I'll share this presentation one of these, you know, if you want to want to, I'd be happy to come back and share it with you because it'll take right. a little bit of time to go through it. But by by the summer of 2021, our government had said that they were going to track Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, this, that, and other. We had the DMED data, we had all these things. Um, they were tracking this. And I've got data from Texas, red, red Texas, because everybody wants to make it a red blue issue, right? Mm -hmm. it wasn't red mm -hmm. blue. Everybody sold out. And I'm going to tell you, I got data from Texas showed 90% of the people put on event were killed. 90%. So you're telling me nine out of 10, you're telling me that the doctors who were treating this didn't notice? You're telling me well, that, that they're going to say, what, no, you can't try ivermectin when nine out of 10 people going oh, on yeah, that well, event's going to die? I mean, listen, well, that, at that that's point, whole, you can try so, whatever yeah. you want to try. Right. I agree with you on that. That that was my point in the whole thing. If doctor wants to, I don't care if the doctor wants to sprinkle fairy dust. I, I, I we're, we're, we're in trouble. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Have at it. I mean, we, budesonide was sort of arrived at by accident. Fluvoxamine, there's been some yep. positive studies on that. You know, the things that were, were yep. completely marginalized have shown to have some, some utility. Uh, and I, I agree with yeah. you. I, whatever the doctor, the patient, the family wanted to do, they should have been able to do whatever it was. But back to your point about the ventilator, we were treating numbers, not patients, it seemed to me at that point. We were treating people who were severely hypoxic as though they were in imminent danger of demise. And we don't know that. All we know is that once they got on the ventilator, they were in imminent danger of demise. So that that's another historical thing that's got to get sorted out here. Well, let me provide my skeptic's view, right? Like I said, okay. yeah. from the jaded side. Because yeah. again, five years F ago... Fully jaded. I'm partially jaded. You're the fully jaded. Fully jaded. I'm about <laughs> as jaded. Well, because remember, then the doctors who fought it ended up coming to me to defend their license. So, I mean, it was... Mm. So let me offer you this. Wow. Let's think about this from the top down. Mm. So you've got your, uh, your, your treatment team, the guys at the hospital system that decide the protocols that they're going to implement. Yes. So you've got, you know, you don't have many independent doctors anymore. Almost everybody's part well, of the system. But, 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 but right there, right there was new information. I didn't know that, that we were so dependent on clinical pathways and, uh, in, and how we treated our patients to be handed down from an administration, not a, not a professional, not an infectious disease group, from the administration from on, right. on high, or you lose your job. I, this was brand new yep. information to me. And I remember when, I w I w during COVID, I was trying to help people understand what was going on. And I inter interviewed ICU doctors, pulmonary doctors every so often. And um, I remember I was very focused on how we were gonna deal with the cytokine storm because that's what was killing people to be fair. And yeah. we started talking about to toxaluzumab and uh, and that, that started to show some efficacy. 
Three weeks later, I talked to that doctor, and he goes, we're not allowed to use it until we've done this, 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 remdesivir, and then their oxygen saturation has to still be below that. Then we use toxiluzumab, and guess what? It is kind of working there. It's like, why, why can't you use it when you want to use it, when it's your judgment that that's in the best interest of the patient's the in front of you, not that you have a a checklist that you have to go down. That's not the drug companies, Tom. That that is the weird no. infrastructure of medicine right now, which is well, all let me explain that done from on high. Go ahead, and insurance companies and 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 lawyers have something to do with that. To be fair, because oh, they have all to do with like, it. I, yeah, okay. I'm all about right. to tell you where that actually comes from because right. this is where the lawyers need to hear the doc or doctors need to hear the lawyers because you're yeah. right. You don't have the freedom to be a doctor anymore. Well, right. where did that come from? When, right. Well, let's think back. When did the private doctors, the, the private practice doctors, really start going extinct? Right after Obamacare. The paperwork, the electronic medical records, all these things, it was too much. You couldn't be in private practice anymore. So yeah. they consolidated. Well, what mm -hmm. happened? Well, we saw the small systems consolidate into the big systems. Mm -hmm. And uh, we saw what that did. Exactly right. So exactly every doctor right. now works under. And let's talk about what happens there. You have you have insurance companies that are sometimes owned by major hospital systems, or at least are partnering with them. Yep. Everybody's scratching each other's backs, and the government's involved with it as well. And you've got three you've got three different groups that all determine the treatment that you get as a patient and what you as a doctor can provide. You've got the insurance companies, you've got the government, and you've got uh, the the hospital system. None of those yeah. three give a damn about the no, patients. No, I know, Tom. What they care about is heart. the bottom line. Yeah, you're, you're breaking my heart here. And, and to hear you say that doctors can't practice medicine, it just sort of cuts right through me because I know it to be true. And it's actually why one of the reasons I'm working at the wellness company is I, I want to give things, I want to, we, we've lost as physicians, we've lost our ability to practice medicine, but we can give stuff to the patients and let them take care of themselves. That's why I want them to get the emergency yeah. kits. I'm going to come up with STI kits. I, I want us to give stuff to the patients that they should have access to and education and telehealth that they wanted so they can take care of themselves and be empowered by us in the healthcare rather than yeah. be stuck with this infrastructure that is, as you say, does not give a damn about them. It's, it's well, crazy. It's craziness that we're in this situation. Well, I want to explain to you, because one of the things that I've never done is I've never explained to you what I do for a living. Mm. So I'm an attorney. But, you know, early on when I decide, when I'm a nobody from a little, little town in Ohio, right? How do you fight big pharma? How do you fight the U.S. government? You, you can't, I can't go into a courtroom and do that. I can, I have, I will continue to, but there's got to be more, Right. So very early on, and the reason that you've heard my name and the reason that I get to come on shows like this and to do things like this is because what I did was something different. And what I've defined it as is lawfare, right? So when we hear mm -hmm. lawfare, we hear we think about unethical lawyers filing suit after suit after suit till you're broke. That's unethical. That's not lawfare. Lawfare is when I come out and I educate the public, I push for legislative change, and I file lawsuits strategically to facilitate change. Understand that what you're talking about, when you talk about the interaction between a doctor and a patient and that mm -hmm. fiduciary obligation and the tortious interference that's likely coming mm -hmm. from on high between that, that, that fiduciary obligation, these are things that can and will be changed. This is what I'm fighting for, right? So when I talk, a lot of times people have a hard time understanding because, well, you're a lawyer, you sue somebody. Yeah, that's true. And I don't spend as much time on this 
uh, because I'm content being a dumb guy from Ohio. That said, understand that what we're really fighting here is a broken system where a doctor and a patient don't have a relationship anymore. And That's to right. fix this, we have to do That's this right. from a legislative approach. We have to yep. do it from a litigation approach. And most importantly, that can only be driven by doing what we're doing here. And I pray to God 10 million people watch this show and understand that what we have to do is we have to make healthcare focused on doctors and patients and take it out of the hands of bureaucrats, crooked insurance companies, crooked hospital administrators, and other people who don't give a damn about whether you live or die. They only give a damn about the bottom line and whether their board's going to make sure that they get their next big bonus. That That is God's honest truth. That is that is the truth. Uh, I would also argue that, again, like I was saying, I, I'm looking for alternative models where we can do things in the meantime, because this is going to take a while. And in the meantime, I want people yep. to feel empowered and in control of their healthcare. So, I, Tom, I want to leave it right there because of what you've just said, I, I don't. It's a it's a mic drop, you know what you've just what you've just uh, said. It's a, it, and it, it's uh, you can't imagine what it feels like as someone who's struggled with this for thirty five years. It's it's something. Uh, I've been fighting insurance companies. It was in the mental health side. Whatever you think is going on on the physical health, the the medical side, on the mental health side, on the psychiatric side, it's five times yeah. worse. It's it's just been. I've been fighting like a maniac over there for drug addicts and people with serious mental illness. It's terrible. It's terrible. And uh, so uh, you've given me a little bit of hope that there's somebody like you fighting out there, and and I appreciate it. And uh, it it is interesting, isn't it? It's interesting. I, I feel like you're a detective and sort of opening up some interesting um, Pandora's boxes. I hope not literally. I mean, I hope they don't blow up in your face or whatever. And that we we continue to sometimes. I, I your, your your humility, while the aw shucks part of it, I don't buy. But the humility, I think, is very important in regards to doing this work. You just got to go humbly forward and say, I, you know, I don't. We don't know. We're just looking for the truth, and uh, and that's a humbling experience. Listen, uh, I, I promised, and you know, I don't care whether you're a God person or not, uh, I am. And at the beginning of this, I promised God I'd do whatever it took to win this fight. Um, I'm in it. I'm in it for the long haul. Uh, we'll be free or I'll die on the hill, and I don't care which, because at the end of the day, uh, I can't forget that mom from Indiana. That'll, that haunts my dreams, and, and every one of those calls will haunt my dreams till the day I die. Uh, I would never, I, I didn't sign up to be a field medic. I didn't even sign up to be a doctor. I thought I was going to be a lawyer. I didn't know I was going to be dealing with, you know, hey, I'm not, I don't have the time to save your life, so you're going to die. And I didn't want that. So I'm going to yeah. find accountability. It's not about revenge. It's about justice. I'm going to find that one way or another. And it is appreciated. And it's, it's particularly appreciated as the, from the, the physician in me has to say, you know, to have an attorney fighting for our freedom and the relationship with our patients and the ability to serve our patients. It, it's not been my experience throughout my career. So to have you there fighting no. uh, is incredibly inspiring. So uh, dot com. anywhere else? Uh, your Twitter handle is... TomRens.com. Tom Renz. And the... And the uh, and the Twitter handle is Tom Renz also? Or Renz Tom? Tom Renz, Renz Tom, right? and Renz Tom for the Twitter. There was Tom Renz was already taken, so I had to do Renz Tom. Right. Fair enough. All right, my friend. Uh, this has been a very interesting uh, sort of uh, journey we've been on today. And uh, it, I always do find talking to you uh, interesting. But today, it's uh, I, I can't tell if it's that we got into interesting territory for me 
or if you've been uh, so far down this road now that you're into some very interesting material. And uh, Godspeed going forward with uh, further progress. I appreciate it, Doc. I'll come back and I'll show you how early we had that Medicare data because that stuff, that'll jade you a little bit as well. All right, we will uh, save that for next time. And uh, for everyone else, we are being here. Thank you, Tom. We're in here tomorrow with uh, Nicole and Jemmy. It's a little bit of a uh, change of a focus. You'll enjoy her. She's very cool. She's a medical educator. Ed Dowd, uh, that will be, again, breathtaking to get some more numbers in here. Salty Cracker on December 12th. Senator Rand Paul coming in on the 13th on an early show with Mary uh, Bowden. Uh, we have Brad Williams on the 21st. We have a bunch of great guests coming up down the road. Uh, keep an eye out for that. And uh, we're r- running into the holidays. What's that, Susan? Oh, hold on. Here you go. You missed Michelle Alindy and... Oh, well, she's coming on the 20th. Okay. I, I just... I, I, I sort of stay silent when I've not been debriefed on who the guests <laughs> are. So there, if I skip something, it is generally for a reason. Uh, so thank you for <laughs> embarrassing me in front of everybody. <laughs> Appreciate it as always. Uh, yep, that's your job. Uh, Caleb, anything from you? No, I just, I think everyone on Rumble is going to be very excited for Salty Cracker. It's a very, they're probably just going crack. I'm not even watching the comments and I know they're burning them up right now. Okay, good. And uh, thank you to uh, our friends over here at uh, VShred for uh, taking care of us today and look for more material on Susan, too, on her, her VShred journey. Uh, we appreciate you all. Uh, there is the website if you want to learn more about that. I've lost, I lost 16 pounds, guys. And uh, we will see you tomorrow at 3 o'clock Pacific time. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. As a reminder, the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care, diagnosis, or treatment. This show is intended for educational and informational purposes only. I am a licensed physician, but I am not a replacement for your personal doctor and I am not practicing medicine here. Always remember that our understanding of medicine and science is constantly evolving. Though my opinion is based on the information that is available to me today, some of the contents of this show could be outdated in the future. Be sure to check with trusted resources in case any of the information has been updated since this was published. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me, call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com help. Thank you.